Professional football in America is a special game. And yes, it is that time on your Saturday morning. Whatever you got, I need. All your football in one show. This is L.A. Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison. Let's set this place on fire. We ain't gonna do nothing fancy. We gonna play on fire. Whatever you got today, I got to have it. It's what you wanted. A show completely dedicated to football. Saturday on 710 ESPN from 9 to 11 a.m. Kirk Morrison is live and local and all over the Rams and the entire NFL. USC UCLA, the biggest high school football stories from across the Southland. And taking your calls all morning. This is LA Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison. 710 ESPN. <laughs> yes, sir. Welcome in. Welcome in. Welcome in, everybody. L.A. Gridiron Weekly here each and every week on ESPN 710. So excited to be here with you. Uh, man, I got an action-packed show. I got three great guests uh, that I can't wait to get to. They'll be in a little bit, a little bit later in the show, but excited every week to be here as our safe place, as I call it. Our safe place to be here and to talk football. Talk football, everything that we missed, maybe during the week, maybe things that you saw uh, that you didn't get a chance to talk about or call in on the on, on, on our airwaves, you can talk about it here. This is our place to talk football, especially Los Angeles, L.A. football, L.A. Gridiron Weekly, 877-710-ESPN is the number, 877-710-3776. Always, you can reach at me, at Kirk Morrison on Twitter at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. And look, so much to get to, like I mentioned to you uh, on the show. Three great guests today. Coming up, 9.30, we're going to have Lindsay Theory. Uh, she'll be on. She's the Rams beat reporter uh, for ESPN. And I can't wait to talk to her. She's got a lot about the Rams. Also, she uh, did a little homework. She's actually been kind of breaking news the last couple of days. Not necessarily big news, but she's been on some big, big stories. Uh, one, Tiger Woods. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then uh, even, uh, I'll get to that shortly. Uh, next, uh, our next guest coming up about 9.55, Maurice Jones-Drew. My guy. That's right, the Rams. Uh, color analyst for the radio broadcast. He is also an NFL network analyst, also former UCLA Bruin. So I can't wait to get uh, just his thoughts on the upcoming draft, some of the Ram stuff, and also dig a little further and talk about some Maurice Jones-Drew in his high school days. So we'll get uh, that going. And also Gilbert Manzano, he's going to come in the second hour, about 1030. Have Gilbert Manzano, he's the OC registered beat reporter for the Los Angeles Chargers, get his take on what's going on with the Chargers in that 13th pick. Yes, they do have a first-round pick. I know the Rams don't, but they do. But without further ado, let's get to the opening kickoff. This is the Liquid Iron Weekly with Kirk Morrison. And with the flash of the cameras going on. It's time for the opening kickoff. That's right, opening kickoff. So, look, I'm not the guy who likes to bring up these types of stories. Um, that's just not my thing. It's not my... It's not what I want to do. It's not how I like to talk or bring it up uh, during the show. Uh, I'm always pro player because I'm a former player. Eight years in the National Football League, play with the Raiders, Jaguars, Buffalo Bills. And I always 
love to talk about the positives of the NFL because I was around so many positive people, but I feel like sometimes the negative stuff, it gets thrown out there and man, people like to run with it. And look, rightfully so. I mean, there are some cases and instances, yes, um, where things off the field uh, happen and they must be covered the right way. I believe that, truly believe that, always have. But there's some things that you kind of got to wait and let the process play out. And I'm saying wait and let the process play out because this particular incident, this has been hot news all week long. As Rams fans, I believe, can have a sigh of relief. Well, they didn't have a sigh of relief early in the week as Aaron Donald, the three-time defensive player of the year, the all-pro defensive lineman for the Los Angeles Rams, was involved in an incident in which he was alleged, Aaron Donald was alleged to have hit a guy in the eye and also breaking a man's arm. The man named by the defense, DeVincent Springs uh, was the guy. This happened early Sunday morning in Pittsburgh after a night out with family and friends. Aaron Donald was there was an altercation that obviously when someone's going to bring a case, a pending case, or of accusations on Aaron Donald, it does raise uh, eyeballs. It does get everybody figuring out, okay, what is happening? Because when you hear incidents like this, obviously there will be a court of law if the you know case ends up going to, to court or it could be dropped. But in the matter of the NFL, you don't have to have cases go to court. Sometimes the NFL will step in, have its own investigation. And if they deem that the conduct by Aaron Donald was detrimental or uh, against the conduct policy of the NFL, he can be suspended. That's what the thought was earlier in the week. But now we've learned and we've seen now video uh, of the incident. And we, you know what? I'll have Lindsay Theory speak about it. Here's Lindsay, here's Lindsay Theory on the Aaron Donald situation currently. White told me this morning that a Pittsburgh police detective sent an email that stated, thus far, there is no evidence from the video surveillance that shows Donald assaulting the victim. Now, White also told me that given the evidence, which includes statements from at least five eyewitnesses, that he anticipates that the Pittsburgh police and district attorney will not charge Donald. As for Donald's current mindset, White told me that Donald's frustrated that this incident took place and how it has since played out in the media, but adds that Donald remains confident in his character and is eager to resolve the situation. I know this. Yeah, Lindsay, I know the police had also said they would be eager to review any video surrounding the situation. It appears as though they have some video. Lindsay Theory with the latest on Aaron Donald. Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, you heard it right there from Lindsay. So, yes, definitely, I think a sigh of relief if you're a Rams fan. Having watched the video, and for people who are listening and have not watched the video, I clearly see Aaron Donald is not an instigator. He is also a guy who's trying to keep the peace. A man swung the bottle at Aaron Donald, for Christ's sakes. You can all see that in the video. And he's actually trying to de-escalate the situation. I thought what Lindsay even said right there, you know, just Aaron Donald's character is going to speak loudly uh, in this situation right now as Maybe there's a guy who's just trying to look for a payday, trying to say someone did it and it had to be Aaron Donald. Look, for me as a former player, I've been in some of these situations myself, not necessarily um, a guy who was, you know, doing the punching and swinging. But when you travel in a group, sometimes the person who's 
I guess the most famous, the most known uh, celebrity usually is the guy that people point to when an altercation or a situation happens. I've seen this happen (laughs) too many times where Aaron Donald may not truly be involved in the situation, but yet it was his group. The party that he was with may have been involved. And at the end of the day, when someone says, who hit you? It's, oh, it was Aaron Donald. But it was it truly Aaron Donald or did you instigate the situation? I'm not choosing sides here. I'm just going off what I've experienced throughout my time when I was in the National Football League. Like I said, it's stories that I hate to bring up because I don't ever want to put the bad light on the person. But I think a situation like this, it we had to talk about it. We had to talk about it here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly only because, you know, this is possibly, uh, you know, a situation where the three time defensive player of the year could be unavailable for a part of the season due to suspension. But I think that will not be the case. That is totally going to be something that I don't think will happen. As I've watched the video again, everybody, if you're a Rams fan, take a little sigh of relief. I think Aaron Donald will be just fine. So I had to get that. That was the news of the biggest news of the week when it comes to the Rams. And obviously we'll get to some other things a little bit later. Like I said, we got Lindsay theory coming up at nine 30. She'll get us, you know, caught up just on some of the Rams business as well. This off season, as we get ready for the NFL draft coming up in less than two weeks from today, everybody less than two weeks. I can't wait to get your thoughts on that again. 877-710-ESPN is the phone number. 877-710-3776. Always you reach me at Kirk Morrison. You're on Twitter at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. We got a lot to get into. Last week we talked 17-game schedule. This week, obviously we're going to talk a lot about the draft. And in particular, how does the draft impact not just the Chargers who actually have a first round pick, but I thought about how does the draft in the first round impact the Rams who don't have a first round pick? How does it impact them? I got a thought on that. I got a thought I want to talk about because right now the first three picks, the way that the draft is set up, it seems to be, it's going to be all quarterbacks. The first three picks, how does that impact the Rams? I will let you know coming up next here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. It's what you wanted, a show completely dedicated to football. This is L.A. Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison on 710 ESPN. All over the Rams of the NFL, USC, UCLA, the high school football scene. Kirk knows it all and is ready to bring it to you each Saturday morning. You're listening to L.A. Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Once again, here's Kirk Morrison. That's right. Welcome back in 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776, at Kirk Morrison again on Twitter, uh, at Kirk Morrison again on Instagram, taking all your questions, uh, your phone calls. Obviously, look, I, I told you before, you got something. It doesn't even matter if it's about Los Angeles football. It's about football in general, college, high school. Well, I'm getting more and more involved in the high school, but college, Obviously, the NFL or just questions that you have throughout the week, maybe what's going on in the NFL news and notes. This is our time. This is our place here. L.A. Gridiron Weekly every single Saturday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. to sit down, 
have a talk, have a conversation, and also answer the questions that you may have about the news and notes of the National Football League. Coming up, coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes, we'll have Lindsay Theory. I can't wait to talk with her. Uh, she's the Rams beat reporter for ESPN, but also she's uh, broken a couple other stories too and helped out nationally in, in terms of a story that was down here in Los Angeles. So we're going to get to that. Uh, that'll be coming up in the next segment. So Lindsay Theory at 930. Can't wait to talk to her. But we are less than two weeks away from the NFL draft. And so many emotions come about me or come over me, I should say, when the draft comes around. Because I think where there's excitement, there's excitement because there's the, I call it the new blood, new blood of the National Football League. We've been watching guys in college and we watch them for a long time. For some, we've seen them since the high school days, right? We've seen them in high school. A lot of guys down here in Southern California. Uh, I know just a couple names I'm going to throw at you. Uh, a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, watching him, you know, USC wide receiver, watching him down the street at modern day high school, spends three years at, U- at uh, USC, and now he'll be in this draft as well. You can't wait to see some of those names as well. We're going to get into some of those names too as well that we're going to look on the local flavor, right? The LA flavor, USC, UCLA, those guys all in this draft. I can't wait to see where most of those guys go right now. The highest um, I think drafted player currently on all the mock drafts that I've been watching uh, and looking at so far, Elijah Vera Tucker, actually an alma mater of my high school, Bishop O'Dowd High School in Oakland, California. So shout out to Elijah Vera Tucker. Right now looks to be a uh, for sure first round pick coming out of USC. So we'll see where he lands uh, when the draft starts. But when the draft finally gets here Thursday, April 29th, 5 p.m. local time here in Los Angeles, there's going to be possibly three quarterbacks taken in the first three picks. The number one pick will be to the Jacksonville Jaguars, my former team, and they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. And hopefully they get this quarterback situation fixed, right? They've drafted quarterbacks in the first round before, right? When I left Jacksonville, they drafted Blaine Gabbard and they drafted Blake Bortles. And now they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. And so hopefully this continuous downward spiral of quarterback play in Jacksonville will finally be fixed with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Now the number two pick will be, I think a guy named Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson's a quarterback at BYU. Uh, I was lucky and fortunate enough to do three BYU football games this year for ESPN college football. Uh, have sat down, talked with him through Zoom, obviously, you know, during a pandemic, we couldn't meet face to face, but having conversations with Zach Wilson, uh, through Zoom, just understanding his, his temperament, how he is a player. Um, I love the kid, and I watched him play, and I just kept watching him on film, and I'm like, this dude is probably one of the best quarterbacks in this draft outside of Trevor Lawrence. Like, Trevor Lawrence was going to be the first-round draft pick since he walked out of high school, okay? Went to Clemson. I mean, think about it. Trevor Lawrence's first year at Clemson. Not only does he win the starting quarterback job halfway through the season – but he plays against Alabama in the national championship and he beats Alabama. Like he beats Alabama. Right. And look, from that point on, we knew he was going to be the first round. I mean, the first pick overall is just, we know the NFL rule is you have to do what you have to be three years removed from high school to be eligible for the NFL draft. How do I know that? Well, I was in the same draft class as, Guys like Mike Williams, former first-round receiver out of USC, uh, and also um, Maurice Claret, 
running back out of Ohio State. Both guys who tried to attempt to go to the NFL after two seasons and the NFL said, no, it's not going to happen. And you got to go after three. So Trevor Lawrence, look, he's going to be there. Zach Wilson to be two. And then when we get to three, pick number three and the San Francisco 49ers traded up to pick number three. Now, how does this involve L.A.? What involves L.A. is because not only have they jumped uh, teams, the 49ers did to go get the quarterback, even though they've already got Jimmy Garoppolo. We're talking about a new quarterback that's going to enter the NFC West, right? a new young quarterback to enter the NFC West. And a lot of people are saying it's going to be Mac Jones. Okay, Mac Jones, the quarterback of Alabama right now. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the division, the NFC West. And for all these football fans out here, think about what the NFC West means right now currently. Does Mac Jones fit in the NFC West? Like he's a good quarterback from people who watched Alabama football and watched him in the national title game. But it's one of those situations where (laughs) something doesn't look like the other. Because right now, currently in the NFC West, I'll name the quarterbacks currently uh, on on their teams. Matthew Stafford for the Rams. He's considered a mobile quarterback. I like Matthew Stafford. We're going to get a chance to see him in Los Angeles. Excited to see what he can do. But I consider him a mobile quarterback. He gets out of the pocket and makes some plays happen. Now, is he a downfield runner after he breaks a – no. But he can make things happen with his legs, make some outstanding throws. That's – you know, sort of the, the the guy who I can't wait to see. Think about the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, a guy who's got great pocket mobility. His escapability can get out of the pocket, go make some things happen. He'll take off and run on you, slide. He is one of the uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league right now, currently. And then think about Arizona. Yeah, Kyler Murray. So Kyler Murray, another one of those athletic, mobile quarterbacks, pocket passer. But when he was able to break contain, remember, there was a point, and I believe, I don't have the stats in front of me, right? I don't have a stat guy with me. wish I had my stat guy with me. But I believe it was a point during the season, maybe halfway through at some point. But the leading rusher for the Arizona Cardinals was the quarterback, Kyler Murray. So, yes, just understand that these three guys currently at the position are all mobile, move, uh, pocket mobility kind of quarterbacks. Now, San Francisco, currently with Jimmy Garoppolo, mobile, can move around a little bit. But you mean to tell me that the San Francisco 49ers are going to draft a quarterback of Matt Jones's caliber or of his skill set? That doesn't match the NFC West. Like, come on, be real. That don't match the NFC West. Matt Jones is not going to be able to escape J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald. Chandler Jones, okay, the defensive front for Seattle. He ain't about to, come on, man. Let's be real. We're talking here now today on LA Gridiron Weekly, okay? 877710 ESPN, 877 710 So I'm sitting here like, are you really going to draft a Mac Jones? And maybe I'm just on my own soapbox, everybody, but I just don't see it. I see them drafting a Justin Fields, quarterback out of Ohio State. I see them drafting a Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. I see them drafting a guy that kind of looks to what your division looks like. The one thing I learned in the NFL, in my experience in playing in the NFL, everybody, is this. I've had coaches, general managers always say, the easiest way you make the playoffs, win your division. 
win your division. That's guaranteed. You win your division, not only do you go to the playoff, you do the host a home playoff game. But then with that being said, when you host a home playoff game, you've done it, right? But you're going, though, how did you get there? You did it by winning your division. And so in winning a division, meaning that you stack up well, you've done well. The Rams have won the division twice in Sean McVay's four seasons as head coach. Seattle won it the other time, and San Francisco won it, we know, two years ago. But now when you look at the quarterback play and the way it's elevated in this division, I don't know if Mac Jones is going to be somewhere that I can feel like, all right, look, this is the guy. This is who can lead this team to a division title year in and year out. That's what this draft is going to be about. It's right when we get to pick number three, right? Because right after pick two, pick one, we know who it is. I think pick two, we know who it is. But pick three, that's when I think the NFL draft will actually officially start when the 49ers are on the clock. So I'm excited for that. But I'm also excited for what the Chargers are going to do. Chargers, they actually have a first-round pick. So we'll see what they get a chance to do. Um, They are picking, I believe, but pick 13. I don't know who's all going to be there at pick 13. I don't know. I, I honestly, I honestly, I don't know who's going to be there at pick 13 for the Chargers. But I just think that we're going to see a good football player, whether it's a tackle, whether it's a, you know, a, a wide receiver. They've got some things that they want to get done. And I want to see what the Chargers do. Obviously, the Rams, we kind of know what's going on. The Rams do not have a first-round pick. It's like – Rams hear first round pick and they're like, no, we don't want it. No, we don't want it. Get get that out of here. (laughs) I kind of laugh about it, but it is true. But the Rams have done their work. They've done well drafting in the later rounds, right? Think about last year's second round pick, Cam Akers. You can't tell me he didn't look like a first round draft pick uh, at the the, uh, running back spot, the way that he played for the Rams down the stretch. So you're going to get excited about the draft because it's going to be new blood. Like I mentioned, it's going to be new blood, new players, but also new stories. Cause sometimes you hear the same stories over and over again, but now when you enter, you know, these new players are going to be on part of your team. You get new stories, new players, a new feel, a new excitement now. And the draft is sort of the kickoff. Free agency does happen in the NFL. We've seen it, but I think the draft is where it's like that final button of, what your team is going to look like and the excitement starts to build of what it's going to look like for the upcoming season, the new players, the, the, the excitement, the youth of these young players. I cannot wait to see. That's why I love the NFL draft. I don't know what you like. Do you like the NFL draft? How do you feel about the NFL draft? Hit me up. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776 at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. I want to hear from you, my hashtag L-A-G-W family. That's right, my hashtag L-A-G-W family. I want to hear from you, hear your thoughts just about the draft. How do you feel about the Rams not having a first-round pick? How do you feel about the Chargers having a first-round pick, pick 13, but also nine picks total for the Chargers in this draft too as well. And the Rams, they'll get started in the second round. They got a couple of third rounders. So look, it will be a uh, a fun weekend. Uh, I can't wait. That's just coming up. We're less than two weeks away, and I'm just excited about that. But what I'm also excited about is our next guest. Coming up, Rams beat reporter or Rams reporter, 
for ESPN. I can't wait to talk to her. Lindsay Theory, she's coming up next here on LA Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison, 710 ESPN. You're listening to LA Gridiron Weekly. It's what you wanted, a show completely dedicated to football. Now, every Saturday on 710 ESPN from 9 to 11 a.m. Let's get Once again, here's Kirk Morrison. Yes, sir. Back here on LA Gridiron Weekly. And look, I'm excited. I won't talk anymore because I want to go straight to the guest because she's uh, someone who I've been following for, wow, it seems like forever because the Rams have been here for five years, but she's been here since the beginning. She's been covering the Rams, but she's kind of an athlete of her own as well. <laughs> so I can't wait to get in and just just talk just sports and just talk about life in general with Lindsay Theory. She's currently the ESPN Rams reporter, and she does so much more than that. Trust me, I even see her covering Tiger Woods. We'll get into that as well. But Lindsay, uh, thank you for joining LA Gridiron Weekly. And I, I, I don't think much has happened in LA in terms of football um of recent am i right like since the season has ended you know you're almost totally right uh (laughs) there was total chaos that broke loose on a saturday night at 7 30 uh when i was about to eat some pizza with some friends uh when the rams obviously traded jared goff to uh detroit for matthew stafford Mm -hmm. but since then it's been a relatively (laughs) quiet off season and you're gonna hear no complaints from me about that (laughs) i guess let's start right there uh lindsay because you know the Rams' season ended um a season in which i felt that they honestly overachieved i don't think a lot of people really feel that way i know i do you know with no todd Gurley, you know no brandon cooks i mean this team was kind of revamped a whole different secondary than what started a couple years previously um in the super bowl and yet this team was a game away from winning a division title they get to the playoffs and qualify and they win a playoff game and then like you mentioned that Saturday, uh, Jared Goff no longer enter Matthew Stafford. So what, 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 what did we miss here? What did we miss from the Rams and what probably why it went so sour with Jared Goff? You know, it's interesting. Yeah, I had a story that came out um, a couple of weeks ago, just kind of chronicling what yes, happened. And um, yeah. it was interesting because speaking with Sean McVay about the situation, you know, he said, everybody wants to pinpoint a moment when things just went bad. And he goes, there's no particular moment. There's no particular thing. Um, you know, of course, in the aftermath, the Rams are spoke pretty, pretty highly of Jared Goff, but look, they right. got rid of him for a reason. Right. Cool. Um, so really what I found in all my reporting and talked to more than 20 people inside and outside of the building uh, was that this was just something that happened over time, right? Um, you have Sean McVay, who's this super hyper, super football nut guy. And you have Jared who loves football, but is a little bit more laid back. And, you know, when you have two opposite personalities and you're winning, it's amazing, right? Because Jared can calm Sean down and Sean, you know, can be like, okay, yeah, this is a good kind of yin and yang, but when you're not winning, I mean, they, they say winning solves problems. And when you're not winning, um, at least at the rate that you'd like to be, um, those kind of personalities maybe don't go so well, where you have Jared, who's not pressing and pressing and pressing, but he's handling it in his own way. And you have Sean McVay, who's just pressing nonstop. Um, so it's really what was at the root of, of kind of the divide uh, is, is the personalities and, uh, the, you know, kind of the Rams thought that maybe Jared hit a ceiling and they couldn't go to the next level, like win a Super Bowl with him. Yeah, I, I think you hit on it. It's just, 
it's one of those situations where you realize that the NFL, you never know which way it may turn. It can turn at the drop of a dime where you're thinking the way like this is how it's going to be. You sign a person to a long-term contract. They're going to be there forever. And then a couple years later, they're no longer on the team. And it's not like it just happened in Los Angeles. It also happened in Philadelphia. We've seen in other places, quarterbacks just weren't even picked up, didn't even sign an extension. So I think now, Lindsay, that the Rams have turned a corner, they go to a Matthew Stafford. Just how do we how are we supposed to look at the Rams now moving forward as we start to get ready for the draftings like and things like that? How are we going to view the Rams now with Matthew Stafford? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying it's a Super Bowl ready team. I think that it's a certainly a playoff ready team. Uh, Matthew Stafford, while he never won a playoff game in three tries in Detroit, um, he's obviously got a great arm. He's got great talent, and I think. Pairing him with Sean McVay is going to be a game changer for his career. And I think that for Sean McVay, we'll probably see him kind of return to the offensive genius um, that he was the first couple of years he was in L.A. Uh, a new quarterback freshens things up. But I, I don't know that this means that they're Super Bowl ready. I, there's still a few holes that they have to plug. Um, they weren't able to take care of it in free agency. You know, they need a center. They need somebody to snap the ball to Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, they have a new <laughs> defensive coordinator. And while Raheem Morris is is talked about as an amazing coach, he no doubt is, uh, it is a new coach running a scheme that he hasn't run before. And there, it's, just, it's another defensive coordinator, the third and three seasons. So there's a few question marks there where it's like, okay, pump the brakes. Like I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't book your ticket to the actually to SoFi stadium, the super bowl um, quite yet, but I think they have really deep playoff potential. ESPN Rams reporter, Lindsay theory, joining me here on LA gridiron weekly. And Lindsay, t- take me back a little bit because you've seen the Rams since they first got here. Now, I think you were co- you covered the team previously with the LA Times before joining ESPN. But as much as the Rams relocated here before you were covering the Rams, what was Lindsay Theory doing too, though? What what else was she covering besides football? Because there was no football in Los Angeles. Kirk, I was on the grind. You know about it. Uh, you know, before the Rams came to LA, I was covering USC. I covered USC for since 2012. Um, with scout.com and then the LA times. And I was also working in Los Angeles at one point for Fox sports one and Fox sports West. Um, but really a lot of my time, most of my time before the Rams was, was covering USC. Uh, so that was always interesting, uh, between Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian and then Clay Helton. Um, that, that was interesting. That really helped me kind of, uh, learn the ropes as a reporter and learn how to cover, all kinds of ever-changing situations very, very quickly. Um, and then obviously when the Rams came, it was a really cool opportunity to start covering the NFL. And uh, I did that for a couple of years with the Times before ESPN uh, came calling. And it's kind of the opportunity to get your dream job. And then you have the West Coast roots. And I would say West Coast roots because you went to the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. And I believe played volleyball at Washington. Yeah. So it just, you have that competitive nature because I see that in your writing. I see that in your question asking as well. Yeah. Cause trust me, I'm always analyzing say, Lindsay, yes, she's competitive. She played sports. I under, I can see that. Um, how do you use just that, that competitiveness from what you did in college to your writing and even to now when you do interview and you sit down in front of coaches, general managers, and you ask the questions and get the stories that you do be, or, that you're able to put out. Yeah, I'm competitive almost to a fault. Um, yeah, I need to work on that, actually. Uh, but 
I, I think it's really helped. I mean, my entire life, I grew up the youngest sibling. So I've always had to like claw to keep up with the big kids, so to speak. Um, you know, played sports my whole life. And uh, I, I think I, I just I have a drive. I'm not really sure exactly where it came from. But I just, I'm just totally super driven. Um, and I, so I think in a way, it's really helped me uh, as I've covered college and professional sports, um, just kind of being somebody who's gone through a similar experience. You know, you have to be in the weight room at 5 a.m. And when you play yeah. college sports, you, you know, you go from the weight room to practice or to breakfast, maybe. And then you go to class all day. Then you go to practice. It, it, I mean, it's the most chaotic, hectic schedule. How college athletes aren't, I mean, we kind of were zombies just walking around yeah. is, is unbelievable. So I think when you kind of go into your professional life, when you have that experience, it's a little bit easy. Uh, cause I don't, I don't think you'll ever work as hard as maybe as a college athlete, um, in your adult life, I should say. So uh, I think that's really what helped my competitiveness now too, is just knowing that there's always more I can do. I can always work harder. There's always something left in the tank. And I like try to hold myself to that. And, um, I think just speaking with athletes, I, when you kind of have similar experience in life in in a lot of ways, you can relate to them and connect to them. And I hope that's helped, um, me be a better reporter as I talk to players in the locker room daily. Well, it used to before COVID. No, I trust me. I think you do. I think you do an outstanding job as well. She's Lindsay theory, ESPN Rams reporter. And, uh, you mentioned just the college aspect of it, but now, in less than two weeks, the NFL draft will be here. And mm-hmm. now you talk about college athletes who will now be professional athletes. And so in your covering of the NFL and USC and just football in Los Angeles, when you think of the draft, what, what kind of comes to mind? Is it is it just the stories that you follow, the kids that came in as freshmen, or now covering the NFL when you see these young rookies now, you know, they're, they're on the big stage? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of signing day a little bit when I used to cover recruiting in college, right? Because you... Mm-hmm work your tail off all through maybe middle school to high school or just high school to, to get a college scholarship and sign. And then it's like, you work all through college to get to the NFL. And I think draft day is the most exciting day. It's the happiest day. Uh, you, there is nothing like when you um, get these players after they're drafted on the telephone mm-hmm. or on a video chat. I mean, the, just the pure emotion that you see from them last year was really cool because they were with their families, families yeah. in their living rooms. And it is just contagious how excited they are. Um, I think as a reporter also, it's, it's, it's exciting because there's kind of like some fresh uh, personalities that get injected into the team. Um, I know that's one of the challenges and something I need to be better at is covering a team for five years. And uh, you kind of are like, okay, well, I told that story and I told that story and I told that story. But when you have these new guys who get drafted, they all come in with their own unique stories. So those are always really fun to discover, fun stories to tell. Uh, But draft day in general, it is exciting. And like, some of these guys get so excited. Like you want to run through a wall for them because they're so excited. Oh man. A couple more minutes here with ESPN Rams reporter, Lindsay theory. And um, I think just now, as we, you know, we are going to get past the draft, the Rams have had their whole entire off season. And now, so my big thing is SoFi stadium, which mm-hmm. you know, we've had a chance to tour. We've been inside, you've covered games there, but just to think about now, California allowing fans, LA County, allowing fans, just to be able to see that that space, right? SoFi Stadium filled up with fans. What 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 do you think the fans are going to uh, notice the most about SoFi? Kirk, I'm pumped because last year was just it was not the same without the fans. Yeah. Um, but I think they are going to everything. I mean, everything about that stadium 
is awesome. From the moment you walk in, I believe it's on the sixth floor and you realize like, oh, like we're looking down at the field. It's in a bowl. It's in a, you know, they had to dug, dig really far down in the earth uh, to, to get that field down there. And then you look up and you realize there's a translucent canopy on this place. And then you get the ocean breeze. Well, it's not really ocean. It's a little bit inland, but let's just call it the ocean breeze coming mm-hmm. through like the concourse. Oh yeah. Um, and then we haven't even talked about the video screen. So I, I sound like an advertisement for this place, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is like when you walk in, it's really cool. It's very unique in its own right. Um, um, when it comes to stadiums, particularly NFL stadiums. So I just think it's going to be so cool. And, and after last season, I mean, truly, it just wasn't the same, even as a reporter without fans, I can't imagine what it's like to be a player, but it just, without having people to kind of fill it and give it energy and give it buzz, it wasn't the same. So I'm, I can't wait to, to see that place just absolutely rocking. As we wrap up here with Lindsay theory, um, what's, what's harder right now to gauge who the Rams are possibly going to draft in was that round two, their first pick? They have a second round, round two, pick 57. I made notes because I can't <laughs> memorize that kind of stuff. Well, round two, pick 57. What's harder, guessing who the Rams will take in round in round two, pick 57, or trying to figure out and narrow down a seating chart for a wedding? Oh, <laughs> you know, I have to say, <laughs> in the middle of wedding planning, so many people in LA know this, and I feel so bad that so many people know this. A big part of my life. Um, I would say picking who the Rams are going to take round two, number fifty-seven. Really? Um, because like how the first round is like a crapshoot. The second round, that late into it, I mean, good luck. Yeah. Well, last year they got Cam Akers, and he was a guy who definitely was an outstanding performer mm-hmm. for them. But I, I, I know that um that they'll be picking in that same situation, and hopefully they can get another guy who could be a key contributor. Uh, similar to what Cam Akers was. But uh, yeah, Lindsay, I want to tease you a little bit. I know you got some <laughs> wedding stuff going on, man. So yeah. congratulations to all that. I know you do a phenomenal job covering the Rams and we can't wait to uh, not only see some of your work. Actually, I want to ask you before you leave, uh, you even covered the Tiger Woods, the Tiger Woods crash. I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, what? Lindsay's covering that too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what doesn't she do? But I guess really quickly, just on the Tiger Woods situation, they called you, you were there. What just just quickly on, on that situation? Yeah, you know, it was kind of an all hands on deck. Um, obviously, you don't anticipate news like that. I mean, that's a huge story breaking. Um, you know, at maybe a year after the Kobe situation, which luck, you know, luckily we have so many fantastic NBA reporters, so um, we had that handled. But this with the Tiger situation, uh, was not too far from where I live, and um, you just got a call from the producers that said, hey please be on standby, like be on alert. Like we might need you to come in for this. And they did. Um, and you know, I, no secret. It's the biggest story I've ever covered. Um, it was a a great opportunity. Um, pretty challenging just because of the time I jumped into the story. Um, you know, we were outside the hospital and it was very difficult. I mean, Tiger's a very, very private person. So there wasn't a lot of updates coming out. Um, but just, it, it was a pressure packed situation, but, uh, a privilege to be trusted to jump in and help on that coverage. And I know we had Ramona Shelburne and Shelly Smith and Gene Wojnarowski, and they all did a phenomenal job. And, uh, you know, to that point, I can't thank them enough for kind of taking me as the, the young, uh, a little bit green journalist in there. And at least in those situations and, and helping me out, they were terrific. 
Well, now you're a veteran journalist. I, yeah. I don't call you yeah. the young journalist anymore, Lindsay. You're I know, veteran. I'm not young. I need to stop thinking <laughs> myself as young. That ship yeah. sailed like 10 years ago. You, know, you may look young, but you're a veteran. So I love it, man. And I appreciate it. Thank you for the time, Lindsay. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kirk. <laughs> That's Lindsay Theory, Rams reporter for ESPN. More to come here on LA Gridiron Weekly, 877-710-3776, 877-710-ESPN. More of your calls coming up here on LA Gridiron Weekly. It's what you wanted, a show completely dedicated to football. This is LA Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison on 710 ESPN. All over the Rams and the NFL, USC, UCLA, the high school football scene. Kirk knows it all and is ready to bring it to you each Saturday morning. You're listening to LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Once again, here's Kirk Morrison. Welcome back in. Welcome back in. L.A. Gridiron Weekly. Special thanks again, Lindsey Ferry. Uh, man, outstanding interview. Um, definitely breaking it down a little bit. We talk a little bit of Rams, obviously, but I like to tell those stories. And for so many times we see the writing, uh, we get a chance to hear from them bits and pieces. But to get the story from the folks who are covering sports, I uh, always love that that aspect of it. And Lindsay Theory, uh, yeah, volleyball player, outstanding volleyball player. That's where she always asks the tough questions. So special thanks again uh, to Lindsay Theory. Coming up uh, shortly, uh, a guy who uh, I love talking to, guy I've known for a very long time. We grew up in Northern California together, but a guy who I truly respect. And we even were teammates for a brief period of time. Uh, in the National Football League. Maurice Jones-Drew, he's coming up in about 10 minutes right after halftime. Uh, we know as we get to halftime, we get a chance to regroup, kind of figure out what's going on um, and, and catch up, you know, kind of what this show has really been all about. But, you know, so far we've talked a little bit about the draft. You know, Lindsay talked about it as well, just a little bit. It's, you know, it's going to be some fresh new faces, fresh new stories in not only Los Angeles, but also around the National Football League. And so, you know, honestly, I'm really excited about that part of it. But I think for the most part, this offseason, I've been a guy that myself, having gone through free agency, having been drafted before, I just uh, I kind of get in my feelings a little bit around this time. Because what do we see a lot of is, you know, the criticism that a lot of people get, right? You get criticisms of uh, your play. And I always remember this. When I came out in the draft back in 2005, um, I thought I'd put together a pretty good college career. Um, I felt like I was good enough to play the National Football League from what I had accomplished. But I think the hardest part for a professional football player coming out of college is to hear the negative aspect of it. Because when you have a draft profile, they have your positives and your negatives and your on their overall assumption of you. And a lot of their assumptions are off what they see on tape. They don't necessarily know the person, what makes that guy tick, what makes that guy go, what makes that guy uh, the person that he is. And so I always just find that to be sort of, uh, you know, I, I, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't always look into what people are saying about a player or one person's opinion about a player. I remember being with the Oakland Raiders and I always remember the day that they 
traded for Randy Moss. Obviously, I was it was right around the draft, so the Raiders traded for Randy Moss, and I had never met Randy Moss. But because you know the media and how you know the stories that were told about Randy and. You know, you just didn't, I, I didn't know him, but you know, there are so many things that were written about him. And at the time there was no Twitter, there was no Instagram, there were no ways for players to kind of tell their story. And so I remember the first time meeting Randy Moss and I remember he walks in the locker room and I'm like, wow, that's Randy Moss. Yeah. I think at that time too, 2005, that was like peak Randy Moss. I don't even know if it was peak Randy Moss because he had like his best season two years later back in 07 with the, with the, uh, remember the new England Patriots. But I remember meeting him for the first time and I said, Hey Randy, Hey, uh, I know I'm your teammate, but a uh, big fan. And obviously he's kind of knew me because, you know, I was the hometown kid. Like I was born and raised in Oakland. So I played with the Raiders. So guys around the locker room kind of teased me and say a hey, home team or hometown. That was like my nickname. Hey, Oaktown. That was what they used to call me. Hey, that was my as a rookie, they called me Oaktown. So I remember one time Randy Moss had these shoes, these Michael Jordan size um, 14 player editions. You had never seen them before. They were purple and white shoes that you have never seen before. But he wore them in a the game and he wore them in the locker room one day. And I said, man, Randy, where you get those from? And he was like, oh, man, I got none. I got all kind of these, but I can't wear them no more, Kurt. I can't wear them no more, hometown. I say, like, why not? And he's all purple. I got to wear that in black, the silver and black. Sorry for my Randy Moss impersonation. But he said, I'm going to be right back. He went and worked out. And I remember when he came back in, he kicked the shoes off. Say, hey, man, you can keep these. Literally, my eyes lit up like a kid in Christmas. I had some player edition, Michael Jordan 13s, purple and white. Still have never seen that color combination, but they were Randy Mosses. And I said, wait, hold on. This is not the same dude that people had said so much about while he was in Minnesota, the kind of person he was, the player. Nah, this is not the same dude. And that was kind of one of the first times that I really realized that don't listen to what everybody says. Make your own assessment. Make your own judgment on players and character he ended up becoming one of my best teammates and we ended up doing some work when we both retired but man that's why i always say around draft time don't always believe what people write and when they're a part of your team you cheer loud for them and you hope that they are the best person the best player whatever it may be for your team that's how it should always be honestly all right cool <laughs> that's that's how we talk here on la gridiron weekly but coming up next, um, a guy who I can't wait to talk to even more. A guy who I uh, well, just just an all-around good dude. Known him for a long time. You know him. I know him. I won't call him by his nickname. Used to be Pocket Hercules. I won't call him that. But I'll call him my guy, Maurice Jones-Drew, Rams, color analyst and NFL network analyst. That's right. Coming up next here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. <laughs> 